Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Halfway through here on a Saturday, John Dickinson and Evan Giddings, 888-957-9570. The phone lines are open as always. Comcast Business Text Line as well as we are with you until 1 o'clock. Some good Giants conversation the first half of the program. Uh, switching gears to, to talk a little bit about the Golden State Warriors and, and always a lot to talk about with the Warriors, and and I think just just most recently, and I know we'll get into the the off season as a whole, and and, and Joe Lacob's interview with Tim Kawakami, the Athletic, and Tim joined Damon and Ratto yesterday. There's there's a lot to get into about the the finances and and how this team can can continue to be at a championship level for for the years to come. But the Vegas Summer League uh, tipped off with its first full day of action yesterday and the Warriors were a part of that that couple of games on Thursday night and uh, the Warriors uh, good sign I think uh, as, in terms of finally getting to see Moses Moody out there Jonathan Kaminga was out there mixed results at this point uh, Moses Moody awesome 34 points 20 in the first half Evan Jonathan Kaminga struggled I know people are going crazy about Moody. I'm going to give you my my grading scale, like what matters, what doesn't, how I view Summer League. But uh, we're going to see Wiseman tomorrow. I guess the, 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 the part for me is it, it's good to see both those guys out there and playing. I, I think that, above everything else, like I want to see Kaminga and Moody playing in these games and, and, and just having an opportunity to get some unabashed run. And that's why I was happy that Kaminga specifically was out there because there had been some reports that he had looked so good in practice and in scrimmaging that they weren't sure if they were willing to use him in summer league, which it it, it doesn't that's necessarily make sense. sense. To, it make doesn't really make sense to me, but I know that that was the report. It was it was kind of to me. It's kind of like where both of them, in a weird way, left off their seasons in 2022. Jonathan Kaminga is is still. You know, a ways away from being the the potential perennial all star that everyone wants him to be right now, and Moses Moody is is clearly the more pro ready and able to affect winning player that is among the young core for the Warriors. I'm also very excited to see what Wiseman has, and I'm more excited to see hopefully how he responds to that because the issue hasn't always been that he's been on the court, but it's that his knee hasn't responded to when he's on the court. To me, the the number that stood out to me, JD, was the fact that Moses Moody got to the free throw line seventeen times. Like I know it is it is summer league, and it's you it, it kind of got to tamper your expectations. But you know the fact that he was able to to draw contact, he just looked very comfortable out there, especially offensively, which is not necessarily what people expected, especially coming out of college. He he was more of a you know, a switchable defender, long, lengthy, young, smart, in, you know, integral player. And offensively, it looks like he has made, you know, a, at least a miniature leap from the end of last season to this one. And why I expect him to be, at least to begin the season, more in the rotation than a Kaminga and hopefully a Wiseman. Because as much as Kaminga can be explosive and can give you amazing minutes, he also can give you the 2 for 10 in 24 minutes that he did last night. Okay, so here's the deal for me. I think there are certain players that it almost becomes price of admission for me that they dominate. 
So when I when I look at hey Moses Moody's playing in Vegas last night going into that game I I look at Moses Moody as somebody that that was playing at not, not a lot but playing a little bit in a in a conference finals type setting where he was being asked to to get a, a few minutes here and there and and, and contributed to, to varying degrees but I look at Moses Moody a steady going into his second year ready-to-play type type NBA talent, I look at him going into a summer league game like last night, and I say to myself, I want him to dominate because he should be a lot more comfortable going up against guys that, that some of them haven't even signed their first contract yet <laughs> because the you know they're going to, obviously, but guys that were picked two weeks ago and guys that – that maybe still need a little bit more of, of developmental time. So I, I look at, and it's not a knock on Moody. It's, I, I don't, the fact that he's dominating though in, in that game, and, and I hope it continues if he continues to play. As far as my grading scale rubric, I think that's awesome. I don't go crazy over it. But I, but I, but it should be where he is, given the fact that he was actually playing and, on some level, contributing in the regular season. So great sign, not tamping it down. I would also, though, put Jonathan Kaminga in that category, where just the raw talent and ability, and at times flashing to where he could hold his own with veteran NBA players. It's more concerning to me that Kaminga didn't dominate, and I know he'd been out for a while and he's working his way back. It's more concerning to me that Kaminga didn't dominate than it is Moody did dominate, if that makes sense. I definitely see that, and and I guess the only reason that I was at least happy with Moody's performance, uh, maybe a little bit more than you, was just because he, he did play kind of poorly in his first California Classic outing. He, he didn't have a great you know first game, which is kind of what happened to Kaminga. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how he bounces back, uh, especially with, you know, there, there were, you know, I was reading the story last night uh, from the SF Chronicle, and it sounded like, you know, Jama, the summer league head coach, was trying to put Kaminga in situations that were uncomfortable to him. And... You saw what happened. You know, they put him in a lot of more pick-and-roll actions, a primary ball handler at times. They were trying to work on facets of Kaminga's game that he is eventually going to have to you know, get better at. And, and he, he struggled. It was his first game back. I think it's understandable. Uh, but, but to me, what was a little more concerning, at least what caught my eye, was, was more the body language of Kaminga. Like when he was turning the ball over, when he was kind of forcing some passes when he he missed all four of his free throw attempts he bricked I think he airballed his first his first jumper he missed his all four of his threes but he was clearly mad with himself and he was I don't think he even as soon as the horn blew like he walked right off the court he did not exchange any sort of pleasantries with his teammates or others and that to me is something that you know I know he's young and I know he's going to mature and he's going to get better but that's something that cannot happen in the regular season if you're around anyone else in the Warriors like someone like Draymond Green is going to let you know that that is not okay for you to pout if you play in a bad game because Kaminga is still good enough to give you positive minutes even if he's not necessarily shooting well so for me I, I see where you're coming from, and I am also a little more disappointed in Kaminga, but more so for how he acted after his tough game rather than the performance itself. If you're going to be that dude, you should be dominating at this level. And look, I'll give him one bad game. I'm not like I'm not I'm not going to freak out about it, but it but it is it is concerning given the way that he was able to play at times last year in the regular season. It also is an indicator for me as to, like, what is this stuff about him being so good that he doesn't need to play? Now, it's one <laughs> thing if he's injured, but, and, and to your point on, on the demeanor and, and, and all of that, that is probably my biggest knock on Kaminga from last year. And look, I know he, he's not even 20 yet, and it's, it's, he's got a bright future. But the knock on him last year was that there were games where it appeared to me that almost it was almost like they weren't worth his time. And 
so he would guard LeBron and be engaged and the crowd is into it and he's playing really well and you're thinking, huh, all right, like this, you know, he, this, this is what you want to see. And then he'd get thrown in the starting lineup against Detroit and look like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's Detroit. I don't have to go as hard. And that to me is a little bit alarming for a 19-year-old. Now you could say, hey, that's just the difference in, in comparison to Moody. And I know Draymond Green has said this, like Moody is is somebody that come up and always had to be buttoned up and always had to work hard and, and always had to make sure that, that he was completely prepared. Where Kaminga, it's raw, it's ability, it's talent. He can make it on that. And so there's a tendency maybe to to coast a little bit. I'm not saying that's what he was doing last night, but it is in line with the Kaminga narrative a little bit that going out and dominating a summer league game is maybe in his mind a little bit beneath them. That's something he's got to shake. Like you, if you're going to be a dude in the league, you got to go out and dominate the. You got to dominate the lesser teams, and you got to dominate the guys that are of like skill level. And that's that's what the summer league is all about for 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 these two and Wiseman. And that that's a great point, especially if you are going to grow into the number one that a lot of people hope that he can be like he has the potential he has the tools the athletic tools i should say of a number one or number two type player and and that's something to me where especially with the warriors culture i I know that draymond kind of bucks this trend but they are primarily a team that leads by example i know there are situations where they have conversations that aren't always public and you know they do express from the top down steph clay um young players what needs to happen obviously Andre Iguodala was probably more in that role than anyone else last year but if you are going to follow in the footsteps of these now four-time champions you you need to act like one and you need to play like one in the sense of what you're talking about you cannot look down on anyone you can't play down to competition and then expect to all of a sudden play up that may happen sometimes And I know that inconsistency is a byproduct of being young and also a player that didn't play in college that was introduced to professional basketball at a very young age. And in the G League, is as much as a lot of talent has come out of there and it is a great developmental league, it is less buttoned up than that of, say, a Blue Blood SEC or ACC college basketball program. The expectations are more professionally based rather than how you treat yourself, how you, you know, how you, I mean, how you are as a teammate, how you, how you fit in, and so Kaminga to me, I, I don't necessarily expect him to all of a sudden change, but I need to see that he's making strides in that area, which is why last night, and again, it's his first game, he could come out and in his next game completely dominate and you know go ten for fifteen and have twenty five points and be dunking on everyone left and right, and I would, I would very much love to see that, but. I need to see more, I guess, steadiness from Kaminga, especially with the demeanor, because whether you're playing bad or you're playing great, your teammates also need to know that you're the same person on the floor and whether you are dependable, which right now, of course, is a question mark, especially when you're going into a season where the 415 brings it up on the text line. Like, Kaminga is going to get more minutes. He's going to get... Otto Porter's some of Otto Porter's minutes. He's going to get some of Bielitsa's minutes. And when you're on the floor, people need to know what kind of player you are. And right now, we don't have a good feel for that, especially when you're pouting after bricking four free throws. Yeah, I, and I think you know it's twofold as far as as some of that goes. I mean, you can look at it in terms of hey, don't be pouting. Hey, bring you know bring the energy, do the little things, work your way through a bad game. There, there's also an element of Maybe he's taken it hard. He he knows going into a game like that 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 he should be one of the best players on the floor. Frankly, I mean, a guy going into his second year with the raw ability that he has, I, I don't want to make too much of it, but he should be one of the best players on the floor. I'm yeah. willing to give him a mulligan, but you know, to me, seeing him be one of the best players on the floor in that kind of setting, the way Moses Moody was able to do it. That that to me is a box that 
that you can check and say, okay, not that he's going to do that in NBA games, but again, we're talking about like competition here. If, if you're not bringing it and you don't have it in these games, it does give me pause as to how much are you truly going to be able to, to bring it in, in regular season games in, in rotation minutes. And I agree with the texter, and I, I think we're all aligned. I mean, yeah, he is going to get minutes. He has to get minutes. But this notion that he's got to get his minutes at the NBA level and that's more important, I, I'm not so sure about that. Like, I want to see these next games tomorrow, and, and they play Tuesday, and then I think they play Friday for sure. They'll have another game Saturday or Sunday. Take those games seriously. I, a lot of people wanted to see what the Warriors had cooking in terms of some of the young players, and, and, and Kaminga, I think, is, is really the headliner even ahead of Wiseman at this point. And he should be. I mean, he was he was, you know, expected to, especially with the way that Wiseman started, and you know, we still don't know. He's he's the biggest question mark of them all. I mean, the question mark with Kaminga is his performance, but it's not being on the floor. He he's absolutely demonstrated that his problem is not availability. Uh, but it, but you know, you you, t- you mentioned something earlier which I thought was interesting about how this is kind of along the the trend for Kaminga based on how he he acted or, or looked down on Sun Games last year. Well, also, you know, Moody was in both Sam, Santa Cruz as well as at Chase Center. Like, he was the more consistent and dependable option. And so, you know, I, I don't want to besmirch a 34-point performance. He looked good, but... To your point, that is more along the lines of what I expect from Moses Moody in a a situation, an environment like this where, I mean, he kind of is one of the best players on the court, or he should be. He should be. And and he's demonstrated, at least he did last night, that he can be that best player on the court. But he also, you know, like he'd, he'd be in Santa Cruz and he'd be able to get up 20, 30 shots. But he also had zero issue re-immersing himself into the Warriors locker room when he was called upon to be a 3 and D player. Like, he understands his role to me better than any one of the young core that the Warriors have outside of, you know, maybe Jordan Poole. And that's where I want to see Kaminga begin to make strides because I feel like he's still trying to figure out what kind of player he is and where he fits. And he seems to be kind of taking the same albeit aggressive, the same approach to each game, and it's it's just too inconsistent right now, whereas Moody, even though he can be the number one scorer on our Summer League team, he also knows that he fits in as the seventh or eighth piece on the actual Warriors regular season roster, and he just seems so much more comfortable in being able to kind of glide between those two roles, whereas Kaminga is... He, he has this idea, it seems like, of the player that he wants to be, and he is unable to adjust to the situations. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking for in the next game is to see how he lets the game come to him rather than trying to just impose his will on a certain game. 888-957-9570. Let's get to Zach and Berkeley up next here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Zach, you're on with uh, J.D. and Evan here on a Saturday. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. Um, yeah, just first of all, I think we shouldn't overreact from one summer league game. You already said it, but I think Kaminga has all the potential in the world to be, you know, a really special player. But I will say, like, demeanor aside, um, something that we could look at is maybe the system and how these two players are going to develop under Steve Kerr. I mean, we know Steve Kerr doesn't always love these, like, super athletic wings that might not be, you know, the most like ball movement driven players and Moody's here. He's like high IQ. He's playing under step and clay. So I think it might not be too far fetched to say in like five years, we're looking back and saying, damn, you know, Moody is the guy that ended up, ended up being the person we thought he'd be. All right, guys, enjoying the show. Have a good day. Yeah. Appreciate the call. And I think, I think you touched on something that, that relates to, to what Zach is, is talking about here in, in the sense that the, Kaminga, like, what type of player is Kaminga? And and we don't know, and he's 19, and, and it's going to sort itself out. But there are times where I think the Warriors are trying to work him into a role that fits with what they want to try to accomplish next year, per se, and then the player that, that 
he thinks he needs to be to be the most successful. Like when when I watch Jonathan Kaminga, and, and then when you hear Steve Kerr talk about Jonathan Kaminga, when I watch him, he plays like a player that wants the ball in his hands, wants to get his, wants to go one on one, wants to as goo. <laughs> and you know he wants to be out at the top, putting it on the deck like a like a three you know like a three man, and and slashing and and dunking on people and you know getting out running the floor when he's going to get the rock. And and I feel like he 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 feels he needs to score and be and be flashy to be successful. And I think the Warriors there's a pull where they're trying to get him to understand that no, it's more attentive on defense and using your athleticism to become an elite defensive player and always running the floor because that's when the ball is going to find you and you are going to be able to dunk it and keep things moving to where on offense you don't feel like you have to get it and cook somebody every time you get the ball. Like the, I think that is where there is a, a natural pull between somebody that's so physically gifted but also I think does need to be the 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 mindset needs to be changed a little bit in terms of what makes you successful. I think he gets a little caught up in the highlights and the points and the moves and thinking that that equals success on this Warriors team with all the other talent. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. And that's where recognition is going to be huge, I think, for Kaminga because as much as he is an alpha athlete and he's been the alpha I would assume on pretty much every team he's played on in his life even if he demonstrates he is good enough to crack the you know Steve Kerr's rotation on a regular basis and he's getting 15 to 25 minutes a night like he still is low on the pecking order of of options especially offensively and so if he evaluates his game or if he kind of feeds off of you know how he's playing well and that that definition of well has to do specifically with scoring he's he might be out of luck because there are about four maybe five other scoring options that are you know right now better than Jonathan Kaminga and so you know it, it's going to be games like I think where he fits into me this season is going to be and you know, we we kind of touched on it, but it's going to be in those games against Detroit or Houston. It's going he's gonna get those starts like he did last year. And maybe they just wanna, you know, let him off the leash, let him go against those teams, and he can be the the number one. He can be the alpha that he believes himself to be and the talent that he has. But eventually you're gonna need him to play meaningful minutes, and I think he can be an impact player this season, but I need to see, like you're talking about, a, a, an ability to switch that mindset from I got to get mine to be good to I need to figure out how to help this team with my defense, with my with my ability, with my athletic juice. Like That's something that the Warriors, as much as Andrew Wiggins helped them last year being, being, being a two-way athlete, they don't have a ton of incredible leapers, fast, you know, up and down the floor type guys. Kaminga can give them that, but only if he's willing to sort of adjust to a lesser role than the one right now I think he wants, which is, you know, a top one to three guy, when in reality he's he's more of a seven or an eight. He brings an element that they definitely need. It's just a matter of how to how to harness it in in some ways, but also let it let it flourish in, in other ways. All right, he's Evan Giddings. I'm John Dickinson. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. We'll get to some phone calls on the other side. Also, Joe Lacob, man, telling Tim Kawakami, uh, kicking the can down the road maybe a little bit as far as decisions on Jordan Poole and, and Andrew Wiggins. We'll get into that coming back as well as uh, we roll on here on a Saturday till 1 o'clock on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, John Dickinson and Evan Giddings, 888-957-9570. Talking a little Warriors. We'll hear from Joe Lacob on Tim Tim Kawakami of the Athletics podcast here momentarily. Interesting discussion, as typically is the case when when somebody sits down with Tim. I know Tim joined Damon and Ratto yesterday to discuss uh, all of that, uh, but uh, I think of the the most fascinating aspects to that conversation e was probably uh just the discussion about Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins pending extensions and didn't sound like Joe Lacob's exactly in a rush to sign those two right now and you know patience as far as seeing what this team can do as far as being a defending champion but also admitting again what we kind of already knew, and I know Steiny's mentioned this on, on your guys' show a lot, the fact that despite what Warrior fans may think, there is a limit to what Joe Lacob will spend. It's an astronomical amount compared to everyone else, maybe not even in league history, but, but even in sports history to a certain extent, but there is a self-imposed cap somewhere. There is, and and frankly, there should be because, you know, if you're spending that much money, uh, Brian Geltseiler of SiriusXM Radio brought up earlier this week the fact that a lot of that tax money doesn't just go to the league; it goes to your competition. It goes into a pool and it's divided among people elsewhere in the league. And so, as much as Joe Lacob, number one, I'm sure doesn't want to continue to spend three to four hundred million dollars a year, he also doesn't want to help uplift anyone that, of course, is gunning for him and where the Warriors are, which is at the top of the mountain. So I totally think it's understandable that Lacob does not want to, you know, get himself into these albatross contract scenarios where he's paying not one, not two, not three, not four, not but f- potentially five max-ish level contracts if you're looking at Curry, Thompson, Clay, and then, of course, Wiggins, who's making $33 million. I wouldn't expect him to you know, just suddenly be willing to take a pay cut, and obviously Jordan Poole is due for a massive pay raise from the four-ish million dollars he's going to be making this upcoming season beyond 2023. So, I totally get where he's coming from as far as a self-imposed limit. And it's not like it's going to go down anytime soon if you ink these contracts this offseason. So, you know, as much as I would love to see Poole locked up for the next four seasons beyond next, I would love to see Wiggins be brought back into the fold. There are certainly some other things that Lakeup needs to evaluate first monetarily before he feels comfortable in saying, yes, Wiggins extension, yes, Pool extension. 
888-957-9570. Let's get Scott in Palo Alto as we go back to the phones here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? Hey, guys, doing fantastic. How about you? Good. Awesome. Doing well. Uh, good, good. Well, a couple of thoughts. One was from the prior conversation, uh, just briefly on Kaminga. I think he flew in from the Congo on Wednesday. You're not going nonstop from the Congo to Vegas. I guess is he didn't play a lot of hoops over there. And so I think he just wasn't back in the game, head-wise and adjustment-wise. And I agree with what you're saying. A lot of what you're saying is coaching and player development, and that will be there. My, uh, yeah. my other question is related to Wiseman. It's great he's going to be back on Sunday. What do you think the team needs to see out of him? What's a good summer league, and what's a, what do you expect to happen next year? I think great, great call on on Kaminga. You know, and and I was quick to point out, hey, you know, he gets a mulligan, but but I do want to see him play. I don't want the the Warriors to be holding him out. As far as Wiseman goes, he, I just want to see him be able to play and not be sore to the point where. He can't play Tuesday. And and look, it may not be in the cards, and I don't think the Warriors have specifically said this, but they, they play Sunday, and, and Wiseman is scheduled to make his, his summer league debut tomorrow, and then they play Tuesday. I mean, maybe it's already planned that he's not going to play Tuesday, right? He's going to play Sunday, and then they don't play again until Friday, and, and maybe that's the plan. And that's fine if, if you know, they've gone out of their way to bring him along slowly. But the best thing, you know, we're talking about the evaluations, and, you know, you want to see – Moody dominate, and I I think Kaminga's at a level where you want to see him dominate against that competition. I'm lowering the bar even for Wiseman. Like if he dominates, I think that's a great sign. I just think he needs to look competent and confident and efficient, and most importantly, healthy. That's that's the big thing right now. He's got to be able to get through the game tomorrow, and we're not reading reports on Tuesday and Wednesday of uh, he had some soreness again and now he's shut down and we're not going to see him till training camp essentially like that that's the scary part for me with Wiseman and I think that's also why even if he reacted or the knee reacts well to him playing on Sunday we wouldn't see him on Tuesday because at this point I would kind of expect the Warriors to treat Wiseman and, and this summer kind of you know like get him on a, a college-like workload where you're playing twice a week. You play Sunday, you have a few days off, you play Friday, and you see where you're at. But before I can evaluate anything that I see on the floor from Wiseman, I need to know that he can be out there. I mean, that, that's been the biggest question mark. Like, the talent, I mean, there, there was some, a few things, especially defensively, that were a little concerning when he was kind of given the starting role immediately after being selected number two couple seasons ago but since then everything has kind of been marred by well is he a hundred percent is he not he clearly hasn't been for the past 15 months because you know he'll be playing his third game in the last one and a half years essentially and so I need to know that he can at least stay out there for 20 to 25 minutes in a summer league game before I start trying to figure out okay well well does he need to be more aggressive does he need to you know does he need to be better on defense? I think the one thing that I'm looking for, you know, the first time he walks out there is, okay, like how comfortable is he outside of his health, outside of the knee? How comfortable does he look making decisions? There were some times in his rookie season where he looked like a deer in the headlights with the ball. Like he didn't know where to yeah. go with it. He was kind of tentative, hesitant at times. I just want to see him commit to whatever move he's trying to make or commit to whatever he's trying to do specifically on defense. That, to me, if he looks comfortable and then afterwards we find out that the knee reacts well, to me that is as big of a win as you could hope for this summer with Wiseman getting through cleanly, getting through you know, with at least some sign of improvement from where he was as a rookie because – they may end up needing him this season. I, I don't know if you can depend on Kevon Looney to play 104 games again in an entire year. Like if he goes down, Wiseman's the backup, and if Wiseman's not dependable, you're kind of stuck in that center that center position. Well, and I think the other part of what you want to see is you want to see him physically look like he's one of the 
you know, one of the one of the guys on the floor that wow, he because he should physically, and I'm not necessarily talking about the the injury stuff aside, but I'm, I'm just saying a guy that's now been in an NBA weight room for a couple of years, almost two full years now, we're approaching that point. He should look like kind of a a man playing with the with the kids a, a little bit i think in 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 comparison so you know how does that translate as far as decisiveness and all that i'm with you do you get the ball in the post and and are you immediately able to turn in the lane and hit a little floater are you are you able to to make your you know, whatever your move is if it's a if it's a drive to the to the baseline i i, I think that's a a real good call uh leo is next here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Leo, you are on with J.D. and Evan on a Saturday morning here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, uh, thank you very much. You know, I wanted to see what you guys thought about just the possibility that K.D. was asking for a trade just to put pressure on the Brooklyn management to give Kyrie a four-year deal. Because, you know, other than the Warriors, any team he goes to, the trade package coming back makes, you know, the team horrible. I think he's living in New York where he wants to live. And, and the pressure right now it, by, you know, on the Brooklyn management from season ticket holders must be horrendous. And I was just wondering, as you know, maybe that's what's going on. I you know, don't know, but I was wondering what you guys thought about that possibility. Thank you. That's a, that's a wild theory, Leo. Um, I, I, I don't think it's that. That, that just, is a Kyrie Irving level of conspiracy theory, big time. <laughs> I, I think he just he wants out, and I know the the rumors and some of the speculation have have calmed over where they were a week ago or even a week and a half ago. But I I don't think this is. I know Guru keeps saying he thinks he's going to end up staying in in Brooklyn that they're not going to be able to find a deal. I I don't foresee that. I think him and Kyrie are both going to be going somewhere. I, I think Kyrie's going to end up with the Lakers. I, I, I'm I think that feels like ninety percent to me right now. Durant, I'm not so sure. It it if I had to go top three right now, I'd probably say I'd probably say Phoenix, Miami, and the Warriors even as the wild card three. I, I really I really would. Um it it just but I, I, you know, we'll we'll see how all that shakes out as far as you know who's going to give up what and what happens with Aiton. I mean, there are a lot of different factors involved. I think for for Phoenix, who could put together the next best package. I think the Warriors could put they are the best package if they do it. I think Phoenix could put together the next best package, but a lot of that could hinge on Aiton, and Aiton does have the freedom to to go sign an offer sheet with with any team that he chooses. Yeah, I also think that, and maybe the front office doesn't want to trade Durant. I mean, they're technically in no rush. He's under contract for four years, but everything that's been coming out of ownership specifically with Joe Sy saying, we want to compete this year, we want players that want to be here in Brooklyn, that doesn't really fit along with what KD is is demonstrating right now along with what the caller was potentially talking about as far as his his theory. It is interesting, I guess, to to... You know, kind of evaluate or think about, but uh, I, I just I just don't see a situation where, especially when Kyrie leaves, which I think is is imminent. We're both on the same page about that. That'll be the first domino, and then once that happens, people will start coming for KD because he does. He's not going to want to be there. He's going to be want to be in a place where he can just play ball. He can just try and win, and he can just. I don't know, be himself, whoever that is. And that does not align with what the Nets have in mind. And so that's why I wouldn't expect him to be there. I I, I personally would want to see him in Miami just because I I would love to to see what heat culture could potentially extract from whatever Kevin Durant has left in his playing career. But you're right in the sense that Phoenix, as well as Golden State, Golden State has the best to offer for any player outside you know, beyond KD, uh, but then Phoenix is probably the more likely destination with what they'd be able to package should DeAndre Ayton be willing to work with them in a sign-and-trade. Yeah, I, I look at it as, from the Phoenix point of view, I mean, they it could be Bridges and Cam Johnson and maybe even campaign and then we'll see about Aiton. And obviously if Aiton goes in the deal, maybe maybe it changes a little bit on, on the back end. But I, I think those are... You're talking about three, if not four, bona fide 
young NBA players that 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 could go right into a, a rotation. I don't know how good that team is. We'll see. They're going to be trying to take some pieces back from from the Lakers if they wind up shipping Kyrie there, and maybe a third team gets involved and they get what they need. But but the one thing that that is absolutely for sure is that the Nets are going to try and extract every possible good player off of teams across the league, their rosters, to, to try and be as, as competitive as, as they possibly can should they pivot, uh, as it looks like they're going to, off of both Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant. Uh, Gene in Oakland at 888-957-9570. What's going on, Gene? Hey, fellas. I'm going to run this by you see what you think. Um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think there's still maybe a very good chance of... of uh, Durant coming here, and I, I think that might be actually a good thing if, if you hear me out. Because here's the deal: I don't, I don't believe um, Joe Lacob is going to want to pay for both uh, Wiggins and Poole. All right, I just don't think it's going to happen. We're looking at what 450, 500 million dollars. He's not going to go that high, I don't believe. Uh, and, and if he doesn't, whoever he doesn't extend this year of the two, I think is gone next year. Okay, so. Uh, you know, maybe we get another year out of boats. Maybe we even get another championship. But but after next year, we're in big trouble. However, um, you know, KD, um, we know what we get, what we're getting with him. And you know, a lot of negative stuff has been said about him since since he demanded a trade. But you know, I you know, the previous caller I think is way off. I think it, it really does come down to him wanting to lead because. He just, he's disillusioned with Kyrie, and, you know, what a surprise, right? Two malcontents trying to get along. Um, but, you know, I think uh, you look back at what he gave us when he was here, he's still one of the top three to five players in the league. Uh, I think he, he loved the team, you know. Uh, <laughs> his problems with, with Draymond notwithstanding. Um, you know, uh, the, the organization treated him very well, and he, he returned the favor by doing a sign-and-trade. And if you remember, he even left $10 million on the, on the table, um, you know, one time to keep the team together, all right? So, um, and Joe Lake, you know, where he might be, not be willing to pay for those, for the two, Wiggins and Poole, uh, he loves KD, and there was a time when he basically could have written his own contract. He would have paid him anything he wanted. So, sure. you know, maybe, maybe Lake is, is more inclined to keep KD, even if it costs the same or, you know, even slightly more than he would be to keep those two, in which case, you know, I think it gives us a better chance for not just one, but maybe two more championships. What are your thoughts? Well, and, and thanks for the call, Gene. It, it, it's a nice transition into into the Joe Lacob sound from, from the TK show and Tim Kawakami's podcast for, for The Athletic. Uh, and I, I think when it becomes more cost-effective, for the Warriors to get Kevin Durant, I think that that's when it gets more realistic for the Warriors to, to really look at, at acquiring Kevin Durant. And I think that's the only reason, really, why this hasn't been completely dismissed across the board as far as, as the Warriors' interest level in it, Evan. I mean, on the surface, it, it you'd say, well, no, I don't want to do that. But if you're saying you could get Kevin Durant and it's the most financially prudent move that you could make, I mean, at that point the likelihood of doing it would seemingly go up almost exponentially. I, I agree with that. The one thing that gives me pause, and I'm sure Joe Lacob you know, elaborated it multiple times throughout the TK show podcast that he was on, is he doesn't want to just be good now. He wants to be good in 10 years, and he would have to give up. Yeah. He some, does keep saying that. He, well, he, he does. Whether it's realistic or not, that is what he wants, and I think that he is... He has enough vision to see that Kevin Durant would absolutely get you closer to a championship these next two years. Gene's totally correct that you know one, maybe two, is is realistic if Kevin Durant is on this roster and you're giving up mostly young guys. The issue is that after that, you know he he's left with Chase Center and the post Curry era, which is a place I'm sure he has thought about a lot this off season. Is looking pretty dark, and it's it's a it's a cloud that's hovering over the organization now. And he wants to make sure that they are prepared for whatever storm comes after this, you know, big threes 
window of contention is over. And so I don't think he'd be willing to risk that possibility of being quote unquote irrelevant after this team is is done trying to win or winning f- more championships that's the only reason i don't think kevin durant is likely as much as it would make sense potentially even financially for the next two years if you save money like he's talking about with exchanging wiggins and pools future contracts for kevin durant uh- Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. John Dickinson and Evan Giddings here on ninety five seven. The game. Uh, let's go ahead and hear a couple of these Joe Lacob cuts. Uh, and and Brian, I'm I'm going to pivot a little bit uh, to to one that I hadn't hadn't set up for you. I I, I want to roll the the Lacob. Uh, when he first discusses the the four hundred million dollar limit, uh, Tim Kawakami asks him a question specifically uh, about that. So so let's hear that exchange, and then uh, and then he elaborated on it. We'll play that as well. Is there a number that you put up there for for Bob, or did you guys have a number like we can't go over four twenty, you know, total commitment or or four fifty? You're really good at reporting. Uh, you're one of the smarter reporters out there, but I'm going to tell you, your numbers are kind of messed up. Okay. Uh, I will just say that you were throwing numbers out like four hundred and five hundred. I don't. Yeah, I'm like the, yeah, the multiples go crazy. Those numbers are not even remotely possible. It's just not. So four hundred, and I know four hundred, five hundred. Again, that's Tim Calcomi, the Athletic, the TK Show. I'm gonna make sure we credit the audio that we're playing here. Uh, so yeah, four five hundred, completely unrealistic let's before we react to that roll the next one where he elaborated on that type of spending around the 400 million dollar mark being being impossible i'm already in trouble with the rest of the league <laughs> we are in trouble for being where we are in fact you know vegas i'll be a board and be a board of governors meeting on tuesday let me tell you they're not happy uh, it's not just us the other teams are going to luxury tax this now as well you know we kind of blew a hole in the system and it's not a good look from the league's perspective. They don't want to see it happen. And there's, there are limits. I'm not going to say what they are, but there are limits to what you can do. So there you go. There are limits. I, I am curious to get your take, and I, I don't know that we've talked a lot about this necessarily as a, as a station, but, I mean, just point blank, I mean, should Joe Lacob care what the, what the rest of the league thinks? I mean, he's playing within the rules. I don't know if he cares what the rest of the owners think, but I, I think he does care what the commissioner thinks. And from what it sounded like, both during the podcast as well as with Kawakami coming on Damon Ratto yesterday, it sounded like there had been some contention with Adam Silver and him specifically expressing his displeasure with the way that Lacob and the Warriors are kind of breaking the financial system and you know being able to take advantage of the fact that they're quote-unquote, printing money, and they have all these homegrown players that they're able to retain and go over the cap to keep. So I think that maybe the owners to him as a, as a whole or individually don't necessarily you know hit on his radar, but I think the message from the commissioner that, from what I could gather, matters to him immensely. Well, and my point would be, we'll change the system then. And yeah. look, I know it's all a, fr- it's all a fraternity, and, and the owners are all in it together. With, with the league to to a certain extent, but you know the Warriors were able to be ahead of the curve in terms of the cap spike in 2016, which allowed them the flexibility to to go out and and attract Kevin Durant. I mean, I, I don't know. I I think I wonder. I I get there being a limit because there's a limit, and and you just you know things have to pencil from a business standpoint. Like I, I understand that a hell of a lot more, I think, Evan, than oh, well, Adam Silver's looking at me, you know, like what the hell are you doing, Joe? Like everybody's all pissed off because you guys are I mean, I don't know. To me and like to me as far as if you're drafting your guys and you're developing them, I mean Andrew Wiggins, that contract was was deemed to be a joke. Like, why are you going to get Andrew Wiggins and then you are able to make it work? Like I don't know. To me, if you've got the money and you want to spend it and it's within the rules, I'm kind of I'm kind of have at it, make it rain. I, I see that. I think where and where some people see the Warriors as kind of cheating is 
to be able to continue to pay contracts like Clay Thompson's during two years of him not being on the floor. Like they're sta- still able to afford to keep him at the forty plus million dollars. And that's the Wizards had to do that. It wrecked them. Yeah, and and this didn't, with John Wall exactly. I and mean, it, it didn't affect the well, Warriors really at all. In fact, it kind of helped them. So I think there's a lot of hate coming down from that perspective. Just the fact that the Warriors are able to do it. Um, and so and and I'm not really sure. It, it maybe from the cut I was unable to to gather, but you know it it wasn't clear to me whether it was. The, the limit was, okay, I don't want to go over a certain amount or I can't convince the rest of my ownership group to cut the check that you're asking me to cut. Or the league has come in and said, hey, you know, like you you can't be the New York Yankees. Like you, you can't do that. We're, we're just, we're not, we don't want it. It's bad for our league and you got to adjust. So maybe that's something we can get into on the other side. Yeah, we'll get into that in hour number four, final hour, 888-957-9570. We'll also hear uh, from Tim Kawakami as he joined Damon Arado yesterday. He explained what the owners might say to Joe Lacob at that Board of Governors meeting, so some context on that. And then you're not going to want to miss what Joe Lacob had to say about Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole's extensions. We'll get into all of that, final hour, J.D. and Evan, 95.7 The Game. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 